Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 108. And from sunny Southern California, as, as I'm getting ready to get bowled over with blizzard-like conditions here heading into the new year, Todd Wolfson is sitting in his yard just kind of bathing in the sun, uh, having the warm Pacific breezes coming off there. I'm not jealous at all, Todd. Not jealous at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm actually, to, to put the cherry on top, I'm looking at the Rose Bowl right now, and my city has been, been taken over by Ohio State and Utah fans oh. for football uh, tomorrow. Oh, man. Uh, you, you know, uh, you, you can't beat it. You can't, you can't beat it. So you, you are literally, you can see the Rose Bowl from your house. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not in my office, just hanging outside. So gotcha, gotcha. From our from our school, we can uh, we can see the Rose Bowl, which is kind of nice. Ah, wow, that's 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 really cool. As as a as yeah. a guy who grew up in Iowa, and you know, uh, a Big Ten uh, split loyalties between the Big Ten and the old Big Eight. Um, uh-huh. You know, the the Rose Bowl is. You know, it's it is one of the the it is the granddaddy of them all, as they say. It is. So, it is. Uh, really cool, really cool. So, we have Todd Wolfson on this week, uh, the head boys basketball coach at St. Francis High School out in uh, Pasadena, California. Um, want to thank folks for being patient. Uh, it took about a week off for you know some family time, and then we headed into our holiday tournament and uh, just having a ch- had a chance to put together uh, materials for the Twitter handle or the the podcast for the last week or so. But uh, just need a little bit of a break, and and we had to focus in on our own team, uh, which worked out well. We won our holiday tournament championship, and so we're really excited about that. And we're really excited to have Coach Wilson on the pod here today. Before we get going with him, of course, we have to thank our founding sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, be sure if you're listening, of course, you're on iTunes. So download rate review, give our pod five stars so we can get the word out to gain momentum in the ratings and help out as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. And of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. So, uh, coach, you've got a great story. Uh, the, the, uh, the way I found you was through, through social media, through Twitter, I love the stuff that you put out on your Twitter handle, and and I appreciate you being uh, gracious enough to give uh, me and and my listeners some time here today to talk some hoops and talk about your philosophy and your program. Uh, for those that you know, with 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 folks that uh, are, are not you know quote unquote the the national names, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your basketball journey. Tell us how you ended up at St. Francis High School there in Pasadena, California. Wow. Well, first of all, you know, I appreciate you having me and I love, love what you guys are doing. I think it's, uh, you know, sometimes coaches, we get caught up in, in what, you know, we, we don't want to grow and learn. And this is a great way to, uh, to listen to other coaches kind of have and share their philosophies. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate gives, that. You know, newer coaches and or coaches that are just, you know, looking to get better and learn, which we all should be doing, um, an opportunity to kind of, to kind of listen and learn and grow. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I definitely, you know, appreciate that. Um, you know, a little about myself is, you know, I've always been a basketball guy. Um, it's always been kind of, I don't know if I want to use the cliche term, but it's been in my blood. Um, I, I'm a middle child, so I grew up with an older brother and a younger brother. And, uh, you know, we weren't allowed to play video games back in the day, and we weren't allowed to do enough sit on sit on Netflix or YouTube. We had to, we had to go outside to have fun. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we went outside, and our whole street was one of those old school streets where, Everybody played, you know, as soon as, as soon as everyone got home at three o'clock or whenever school got out and, um, you know, our whole street kind of shut down and we had basketball games and baseball games and we were playing anything and everything we could, uh, you know, outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of just grew up like that. Um, and then, you know, having an older brother who played, who played basketball and, uh, you know, you kind of always want to be like him. And when you play with him and his friends, you get pushed around and you try to get better and, and, and learn and grow and. Um, you know, definitely was, was doing that at a young age. And, uh, my dad was a coach, you know, he coached us growing up and, um, you know, kind of sparked me definitely to, uh, to, to get into coaching. Um, my kind of coaching journey started a little bit 
different than most, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I do have a younger brother. Um, and I was about maybe 12, I think 13. I was in eighth grade. Um, and my dad was coaching my younger brother's team. Um, whether it was, it was, it was like a, you know, a used, used park and rec team. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was the head coach. He didn't have any assistance. And uh, long story short, he, he was sick and couldn't coach for a couple weeks. And instead of asking another parent, he said, hey, you, know, you got practice on on this day. You know, you, you know <laughs> enough about basketball. You know, you ran plenty of drills. Go ahead. <laughs> so, you know, I ran into the gym with, you know, not really knowing what to do too much as a coach. And at 13, I was kind of thrown into the fire there and started coaching my younger brother, who was probably 9, 10 years old at the time. Um, child labor laws be damned you know (laughs) yeah child labor laws be damned you're gonna go out and get to work 100 percent yeah 100 and just you know from then on just kind of fell in love with it and said this is something i want to do and this is something i love and we won a couple games and then the next year i was mad with my dad you know maybe uh not not coach and focus on academics and my own basketball career i wanted to coach again so ever since that that point i knew you know, kind of coaching was for me, and it was something I wanted to do. Um, so throughout my high school, even my high school years, I, you know, I'd sit with my high school coach, and we'd talk about ways I can kind of get better as a coach and what drills we can learn. And I always want to know why he was doing this, why he was doing that, and, you know, trying to learn, you know, the intricacies of basketball um, at, at a young age, um, which was kind of different. And then, you know, went to college to play basketball. I went to UC Santa Barbara. Um, which is another sunny, fantastic place. If anyone's ever looking for a, a place to go visit, it's, it's phenomenal up there. Uh, went to UC Santa Barbara, um, walked on there, and really didn't play too much. I was I was curious. I just wanted to play. I just wanted to coach. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I wanted to do. So Coach Williams over there helped me out a little bit, kind of starting a youth program up there when I was in college. So I was coaching youth basketball, um, and then fell into a fell into a job at my, at my alma mater where I went to high school. Um, the head coach there was Robin Lopez and Brooke Lopez's older brother. Oh, okay. And yeah, so he, he, and that was the year where they got drafted. So, um, the athletic director called me and said, Hey, I know you want to coach. I know you're coaching, you know, would you be his number one assistant and kind of, you know, work with him and he's going to be going to the draft and he's going to be going to NBA workouts and, and doing things with his brothers. Um, you know, you can kind of just help him out and, and, you know, do what you can. And I felt that that was the opportunity I had to take. So I took that. Um, and it was awesome. You know, we had, we had a great year there. Um, I was there for only a year. And coincidentally, coached a game um, that season by myself and a school called Chaminade High School, which is not too far from uh, where I grew up, private Catholic school. Um, they saw me coaching um, a game there uh, when I was at my alma mater. And we actually beat them. And uh, they said, hey, you know, we have an assistant spot open, JV head coach, an assistant spot. Our coach is going to leave in a couple of years. We'd love for you to kind of grow under him and, and hopefully someday take the, take the job. Um, he thought it was a three, five-year timeline. It ended up only being a year he was there, and then I took over mm-hmm. that year, and kind of things fell into place, and um, eventually took the job at St. Francis after a six-year um, coaching stint at Chaminade. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, been at St. Francis ever since and loving it. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's kind of, and, and you obviously brought it up there. You, you, you had uh, tremendous success at, at Chaminade and then kind of in the middle of that run, you decide to, to make a move to another head coaching job, um, which is, is, is in some ways kind of rare uh, coach. Um, yep. You know, you, you made a big move from, from one, you had established this this really good program, and then you you made a you made a move. Uh, right. You, you know what are what what are some things that you know? This is something I don't know if I've ever asked anybody this before. Uh, what are some things that that established head coaches, in your opinion, should look at if if they're established at a place uh, and and they decide to look at another head coaching position? Because usually we're talking about folks that are moving either up as head coaches or, you know, from a smaller school to a bigger school or something like that, uh, or an assistant coach moving up to a head coaching position, but you were a head coach at a really, really good place that went to another really, really good place. You know, so what was kind of the thought process beside, behind that, and, and what's kind of your advice for coaches who, who may be thinking about making that type of move? Yeah, you know, it was definitely a difficult one. Um, you know, we were also in the same league, so 
you know, jumping from a school from one from from one team in the league to another um, was was definitely kind of an interesting move. We always went to St. Francis every year to play them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just enamored with the school. I was enamored with the with the administration there and how the kids were and the facility and just you know I, I couldn't understand why they couldn't win. Um, they just couldn't win in basketball. They couldn't win year after year. They were in last place. Um, the year before I got there, they were they didn't win a they didn't win a game. Um, but there was something about the school that I thought couldn't, you know, just there's something that worked, you know, it was in Pasadena. It was a great area for kids. It was, it was a, you know, great school. And, um, you know, it just kind of worked out in terms of like, you know, their coach left and um, their AD called me and reached out and said, Hey, it's a long shot, but you know, <laughs> just curious to see, to see what your, what your thoughts are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and for, and for me, it's, it, it, it just really goes down to like, you know, I'd I say two things. Number one, I, I'm an underdog kind of guy. I like building programs from the ground up. Um, you know, we got to a point at Chaminade where we were in the state open division and highest level you can play at, you know, three, four years in a row. And not saying that wasn't fun, um, but it kind of just got monotonous. And, you know, when you start winning, things come with winning. Um, if you're not doing it, you know, a certain way, things come with winning. And you start getting players and parents and administration that expect certain things because, you know, year after year, you've, you've produced this, this program. Mm-hmm. Um, that's had successful trips, um, where I think, you know, after a while you, 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 you know, uh, you kind of want to go back to where, you know, they, they're, they're, they're happy with a, with a 10 win season, you know, yeah. um, you know, you go 10 and 15 and they're happy. Um, and, and, you know, part of it, you know, was that, and part of it, the second part was the administration changed over at Chaminade and I'm a big believer in, you know, you gotta, you gotta love who you work for. You know, I tell my players that, you know, you gotta love for your coaches, you gotta love who you work for. And, uh, the administration at St. Francis was unbelievable when I went on a when I went on an interview there. Um, every year we went there, their their principal would always come come down to the game and shake our, shake my hand and talk for a couple minutes. President would always do the same thing, um, and then I started asking the coaches in the other on the other teams, "Did that's for you guys too?" And they say, "Yeah, you know that's just the way they are there." And the kids were picking up the chairs and putting the put, you know it just it was a different vibe there that I kind of wanted to be aligned with mm-hmm. um, and that I liked. And when I went on my interview, it was nothing but positive things from them. And um, I just felt like that was somewhere that I felt we could turn the program around and do it the right way. And, um, you know, I'm always up for a challenge and, and it kind of just fell into place and, and I'm happy. I'm happy I made that move. Yeah. You know, you kind of brought up that appreciation factor. And I think that's, that that's kind of, you know, how, how, important is it to be appreciated um because you know i i I can kind of relate to it a little bit you know uh you know just just you know what were some warning signs that you and and again coach you got to be comfortable with what you share and and i understand if you don't want to share some things uh but but you know just kind of you know again in the interest of educating coaches you know what were some of the things that you saw that you kind of thought you know it's it's it might be time and and maybe i've been here long enough and it's time to, to do something else yeah, you know, uh, you know, I think sometimes, and I'm sure you've seen before, is you know, kind of people forget where they came from a little bit. And, you know, we were my first couple of years at Chaminade, we were we were so we were so happy with you know winning winning ten games and eleven games, and uh, we got to a point where if we, if we didn't win twenty five, it was you know we had a bad season. And what's going on? And do we need to make changes? You know, and it gets to the point where you know I think we sometimes have to look in the mirror and forget you know where we came from. Yeah. Um, and you get to a point, I think, you know, it's, it's natural. You know, people love winning. You know, schools love winning. Administrations love winning, especially when you're, when you're a private Catholic school and, you know, you're, you're yeah, you, you know, you're, you're getting it for education, but you're also, you know, a business. You get, you, get, you get money based on how many kids sit in the seats and how many people come to the games and stuff like that. So um, we're seeing it all over college football right now. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to trickle down to college basketball in a couple months. But, yeah, um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of that, 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 that aspect of it. Um, and, and that's kind of where I, where I decided, you know what, you know, I think, I think it was, it was a summer game. It didn't matter. There's no records. You know, we lost to a team we shouldn't probably have not a loss to. And it was, you know, how did you guys lose to them? And what's going on? Do we, you know, do we need to make a change? You know, like, and I'm like, come on, you know, we just, just won the state championship a year, a year ago. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you get to a point where I think you got to feel comfortable as a coach. And, you know, if, if you know, I got to teach a lesson to a kid who's, you know, showing up late or, his grades aren't where they are and he needs to sit in a summer game and, you know, stuff like that. That's the way it's going to be. And, you know, when we're all not all about winning and, you know, we're all about doing it right and teaching, teaching character and things like that. And that's why St. Francis was, 
fantastic to me because that's what they want. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's possible to be at a job too long? I do. I do. I think, you know, sometimes you overstay your welcome, number one. Um, You know, I think there's sometimes where you overstay your welcome. And and then as a coach, I think it's hard to grow, you know? Um, I think sometimes you get the same routine and I always joke about it. Like, Every, every single morning, you know, it kind of kind of hit, hit me over the head one time where um, I walk into Starbucks after, you know, I'm in the area year six. And at 8.05, the Starbucks lady had my drink ready for me. <laughs> and I didn't even order it. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I got to I gotta make it like I got to make a change. Like, you know, it's time. It's time to make a change. There's my life's getting too monotonous. I'm not growing as a coach. I'm not challenging myself. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, if the right opportunity comes, then I'm going to at least venture into it. And it kind of it kind of did that. So, you know, that's why I love what you guys are doing with this podcast and other people do with, you know, Twitter and podcasts is helping coaches grow. And I think all coaches need to make sure they're they're constantly growing. Mm-hmm. So speaking of growing, um, you know, you and I are we're, we're not old. We're just seasoned. You know, uh, we're, we're going to use that word. Uh, I like it. <laughs> what? uh you know, if, if you're sitting down with a young coach today and, and they're saying, hey, Coach Wolfson, I'm really interested in this, uh, what are the three, four, five things that I really need to emphasize in my in my studies, in my development, uh, that, that maybe a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people would not be thinking of? Like if you're giving, right. you know, if you're – you know, if you're just coming out to, as a 20, 21, 22 year old, and when we, we were both that same way, we were hungry, PhD, right. poor, hungry, and driven. Uh, what advice would you give to a young coach? You know, to to these are the areas I would really emphasize for your development as a coach. I mean, just on the top of my head, I can think of four. You know, good uh, ones that I would probably give. Okay. Um, in terms of advice, you know, the, the the first one being is is like I always try to tell tell, tell coaches this: like you you, you gotta. You gotta want to be where you're at. You gotta, you know. Uh, I guess the better way of saying it is, is do your current job. You know, I think coaches are, you know, especially young ones. They're they they turn on the TV and they see, you know, Coach Calipari and they see Greg Popovich and these guys. I want to be like them, you know, which is great. It's always good to dream, and I think you know having that ambition is great. Um, but coaches are always looking to to leave right away, leave right away, leave right away before they establish themselves, um, and they don't really build any rapport or reputation. Um, and that's part of, I, I think it's a huge thing that young coaches, at least mistakes that they make. Um, and I wish more young coaches kind of, you know, uh, stay at their current job and, and be the best at their current job, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, the second one is I think they, they've got to be themselves. Um, that, that's the second part is like each coach that I know and, you know, each coach that, that I think is good is, is themselves. They take pieces of who they are. They take pieces of the coaches that they've, um, worked for or worked under or had, you know, as a player and they kind of mold their own, you know, way of being a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I tell people, you know, podcasts and everything's great and I love them. Um, you can listen to them. You can go to coaching clinics. You can, you know, do, but, but in the end, it's gotta be something that you want to do. You know, you can't replicate another coach and be exactly like them. Um, you know, you can study under coach a for years and years. Like, you know, I know when, uh, John Shire is going to take over for coach K Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure he's going to do a lot of stuff just like Coach K, but I hope John Shire has a little bit of John Shire in there. Yeah, um, you know that that makes him who he is and kind of changes the mold because you can't just be exactly like you know the the, the person in front of you. Um, and the third one to me is I always talk about and it's a cliche topic now, but you know is 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 your culture, um, and I think establishing that culture, you know, and cl- just making that culture very clear what what your culture is going to be like. Um, having ideas of how you're going to implement it um, are, are, are huge things. And I think the clearer your culture is, um, the clearer you can kind of identify it as a coach. Like, these are the things I'm going to put up with. These are the things I'm not. These are the things I'm going to do. This is how we're going to play. Um, you know, you know, all that stuff is, is, is important. And just kind of making sure you're going to – a clear path for you to, to implement that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last I would say is, you know – you gotta have coaches, and 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 you gotta know what you want in terms of finding the right people. Um, I think as a young coach, I think coaches are, you know, so, so sometimes I don't want to stereotype a young coach, but a lot of times it's it's you know I can do this, and you know I I, I know what to do, and they're they're kind of quick to quick to change, like I said before. But um, you know, having having people around you, whether it's a mentor, whether it's 
other coaches in your area um, that you can lean on and pull ideas from and get better from. Um, and I, when I was a young coach, I was very, very eager to beat everyone and show everyone how good I was as a coach. And I'm not friends with that guy. He's in my league and we're competing, you know, we're competitors, we're competing. Um, and I think, you know, as you grow as a coach, kind of understand that every coach is in this together, find a couple coaches you can lean on, find someone that can, you know, can use as a mentor, uh, you know, to kind of to get better as a coach. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it, coach. Love it. A Penn and Afton University is offering you, our listeners, a great opportunity to learn more about coaching above and beyond the A Penn and Napkin universe. In our video series detailing personal growth and development, you can purchase videos on topics like interviewing for a job, basketball analytics, and fundraising and social media. Go to appendandnapkin.com and follow the links to order. Videos are $10 a piece, or you can get the bundle for $50. That's less than $8 a video. We also have our defensive series available. Those videos are $10 a piece, or you can get the three-video bundle for $25. Check out the Appendant and Napkin University Video Library. You know, you, you were kind of talking earlier, Coach, about uh, working with administration and different things like that. Um, again, I'm going to use the word seasoned. Uh, you and I have been through the battles and, and been through the ups and the downs. Uh, what, are some, what are some things that you wished that non-coaches knew about coaching and, and, and just our job and, and how can we communicate those things, those, those things that, that maybe parents or admin or whoever it may be that is unaware of just, you know, how hard all of our jobs are, uh, to, to have them a clear understanding of what we're trying to do and, and how we're trying to build our programs. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've used this one before and I think it's, 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 it's an interesting one, but, Coaching, I'd say 90% of coaching isn't coaching. Um, mm -hmm. You know, parents, I think, and administration sometimes, and people don't understand, there's a lot of stuff that goes into getting your, your high school teams ready to play um, that has nothing to do with what goes on from the, from the jump ball to the, to the final buzzer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in terms of just buses and, um, you know, gym stuff, setups and takedowns and um, grades and, you know, uh, parent meetings and, this kid got in trouble and that kid, his girlfriend broke up with him. And, you know, this kid's going through something with his family. And, um, you know, there's so much that just goes into coaching. That's not actually coaching. Uh -huh. Um, and I think sometimes coaches see, you know, yeah, you might be a great coach, um, but you gotta be good with your administration. You gotta be a good communicator. Um, you gotta be understand that the janitors are your friends and you gotta understand that, you know, there, you do work at a school and there might be, you know, testing in your gym and there might be, I dance one night and, you know, that's stuff that I think people don't realize that has to happen as a coach. And then, you know, let alone when you're a, you know, head varsity coach, you know, as much as, you know, your varsity team is your team, um, you know, you still got to pay attention to the JV and the freshman teams that you have and the lower level teams and the eighth grade teams and, the, you know, the, 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 the young kids teams that feed into your school. I mean, there's a lot mm -hmm. that has to go into all of that. It's not just the 14 guys that, you know, you suit up with every day and, and, and go to battle with. It's the, it's, it's all that, you know, you know, the assistant coaches, the, you know, all, all the stuff that has to go into to being a coach and, um, you know, coaching, actually coaching basketball from start of the game to finish is a, you know, I'd say it's a 10, 15% of kind of what you do as a coach. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how, how, uh, how are ways that you, uh, and we're, and we're going to get into kind of your staff and, and how you work with your assistant coaches and stuff like that. Are there ways that you can, uh, what are some ways that you take a lot of that, that 90% or that 85% and, and you try to make it more 50% or, or 55% where you're, you, you understand that you're the head coach and you're in charge of it and you've got to be aware of everything. But I know in my, in my case, I tried to do all 85 or 90% of it at times and that became a huge problem. You know, wh what are some ways that you've kind of helped uh, or th things that you've done to try and, and spread that out to delegate that authority uh, so that it's not as overwhelming as one would possibly make it on themselves. Right. I, I think the first, the first part of that is, is each, each coach you hire, um, whether it's your freshman coach, whether it's your, varsity assistants, whoever it may be, has something that they can offer, not to sound selfish, something they can offer you as a, as a, as a head of the program. 
Um, and I think you have to find out what that is. And that's, I think, something that sometimes takes a little bit of time. Um, sometimes it might come to the first, you know, sit down with the first interview and, hey, you know, what, what are you, what's your specialty? What are you good at? Um, you know, for example, I have one coach who lives four minutes from school. So, you know, um, when he, when kids want to come shoot and there's open gym time, he's four minutes. He, he loves it and he wants to come in there and, and shoot. You know, I got one coach who's obsessed with defense. He's watching defensive videos and scouts defense and really could care less about how many points you score. And, you know, I, I use him as my backbone defensively and, you know, kind of took time to, time to grow from that. Um, you know, I have one, one assistant who works at the school and um, is pretty high up in the administration. So he's kind of making sure the gym schedules are always where they need to be. And, you know, organizing, organizing those things, you know, the kid, you know, needs five bucks for lunch. He's there for him. And, you know, just finding ways that you can use your coaches to help you and to help your program, I think is a, is a key thing to, you know, that a, that a person who runs your program needs to find. Um, yeah, sure. You know, knowing basketball and knowing those things is, is, is great. Um, but I think that's, that's probably number one. And number two is I always talk about hiring good people. You know, there's no, there's no replacement for a good person. I'd rather hire someone who's a good, good person and has your back and supports you than, than knows about basketball. You know, knowing about basketball is some, you know, that, like, like I said, it's a, it's a 10 to 15% of the job. Um, you know, I think someone who's a good person and, and helps keep wants to help kids and is in it for the right reason is more valuable than anything. Mm-hmm. I, I like that about the, the good person part of it. Um, you know, I kind of look at myself now and it's like, you know, I'm kind of old. Uh, I, I don't need <laughs> as much X's and O's help as I do. Right. I just need good people help. And, right, and I've got sure. a couple of assistants who are learning the X's and O's and the, and the ins and outs of the game. Uh, but they're such good people and they, they handle so many things as I'm teaching them slowly, but sure, you know, here's how you handle this. You know, we ran into an inverted triangle in two this, this week yep. and, um, okay, here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to handle it. And that's something that they would have never seen. And that, you know, but they do so many other good things that those are the things I can teach them along the way as well. For sure. So, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, you've been, uh, you've had some great runs, state couple state championships out there in California, so forth and so on. Um, but it's, it's a, you know, that championship comes at the end of the season and, and it's a, uh, but it's gotta be a season long process. You know, what's kind of your thought as you, as you look at your season and as you build your teams from day one of practice to hopefully around day 150. 10 to 20 ish, whatever your calendar is out there, uh, in California, uh, you know, how are you building that piece by piece, brick by brick, uh, to try and get your teams to, to, uh, peak at the right time? Yeah. You know, that's, that's a million dollar question. Um, <laughs> well, that's you know, why you're on here, tough. coach. That's why you're yeah, on here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's no, it's definitely tough. And it's, it, it's a great question. Um, I think one of the one of the things that I've done since uh, since I was coaching this is the advice I got from uh, one of the college coaches that kind of I used to bounce a lot of ideas off of is, is I and it seems simple but I'd save every practice so like you know I type up our practice plan practice one I'd label it I'd date it and I'd save it um, I have a folder year after year of practices um, and then eventually you get to a point where you kind of have a roadmap man you know we had a great year why don't I go back and look like okay you know we went over ball screen defense and practice ten. Um, you know, I want to teach this press, but you know what? We, we, we didn't go over that till practice 40. You know, why don't I continue to, 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 to focus on our ball screen defense, let's say, um, you know, cause that, that's kind of what we did when we had a, when we had a good championship year. And then you can kind of use that as a roadmap. Um, you know, and if I always like, like the age old adage is you know, broke, don't fix it, you know, try to use that as best you can as your roadmap. Um, cause you kind of found, found a team that built up the right way, um, you know, and, and, and peaked at the right time. So, um, that's, that's probably one way, um, you know, number two is just constantly just keeping the culture, you know, and like I said, it's something that everyone wants to talk about nowadays and keeping it, keeping it cliche, but just constantly, you know, keeping the culture, whether it's the off season, um, you know, doing the right things and making sure you're always, always following your, your, your culture. It's implemented. It's clear. It's identifiable. Um, everyone knows what it is. You know, it could be mid, mid, middle of summer. And, you know, for us, if you don't, you don't, you don't box out and your guy gets a rebound, you're coming out. Mm-hmm. I don't care, you know, we're in the middle of the summertime and the game doesn't matter. Here's what we do. You know, when the game's over, we, we pick up our water bottles. You know, we organize the bench. You know, we make sure that things neat. When we leave the locker room, it's spotless. 
leave it better than we found. You know, those little things that we do, we'll do them no matter when it is. It, it doesn't matter to us. And I think you kind of keep that culture, which helps your team kind of peak at the right time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. We'll, we'll get into kind of some of that stuff here in the second half. Uh, and, and we're going to shift right now to the second half here, Coach. Uh, for the first 100 episodes, we had the Don Meyer quote of the day. Uh, and it's appropriate for you being in Los Angeles that starting with episode 101, uh, we started going with the John Wooden quote of the day. So, um, you know, in honor of UCLA and, and the former Indiana State uh, head coach, John Wooden. <laughs> Uh, yeah, how far how far is Pasadena from UCLA? Uh, how far are you guys away from from uh, Well, campus? you know, um, you've been out here in Los Angeles, but there's two times you quote people. There's there's non-traffic time and traffic time. <laughs> so uh, non-traffic time, we could probably get to UCLA in 20, 25 minutes. Okay. Um, you know, you leave at three, 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 four o'clock on a on a Friday. It might take you two and a half hours. Um, so that's kind of kind of where we're at, but you know, no no traffic. We can probably get there in twenty five thirty minutes. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, um, we're planning on taking the family vacation out to Los Angeles next summer. So I'm going to keep that in mind as we're putting everything together. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you got to you got to kind of know your streets. Okay, well that's what Google Maps are for too. So that's perfect. All right, perfect. so uh, the John Wooden quote of the day, and, and after I uh, after I read this, coach, if you if you'd like to comment on it, feel free to do so. Okay. Uh, the John Wooden quote of the day is the best competition I have is against myself to become better. And, you know, again, it's so weird how a lot of times the quote of the day ends up being part of the podcast, even before we get to the quote of the day. And you had talked about that with the changing of the jobs and kind of, you know, things you felt like got a little monotonous for you, got a little bit too comfortable. And I, and I think that's, that's interesting that that would come up there in that regard. Right. Right. No, it's very similar to what what I was kind of discussing before. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times we get, we get satisfied, especially after we win, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, you have a good season man. things went great. Uh, you know, and you kind of don't want to grow because, you know, you think you know it all and you had a good season and you won. And as we all know, the basketball gods will smack you right back in the face <laughs> as soon as you start to, uh, as soon as you start to get, you know, uh, too complacent. So oh, I love it. Yeah, that's, that's good. You know, I don't know how, you know, earlier this year, I, I leaned over to one of my assistants during our, one of our games. I said, I don't think the basketball gods want us to win tonight. And uh, it's it's just funny that you use that 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 exact phrase that I used about two weeks ago. Uh, so uh, that's that's good. It's it's nice to see that uh, uh, that basketball vocabulary can uh, travel over the Rocky Mountains and go from the plains to the coast. So oh yeah, anytime we give up an offensive rebound late in the game, you know, late possession, offensive rebound, team always hits a three on us. It's always you know I'm looking at my assistant coaches, you know. Basketball gods didn't like us for that one, you know, so got to box out. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Well, hey, let's get into uh, some of your basketball philosophy here, Coach. Um, let's let's talk about your setup of practice, and 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 along with that setup of your practice, uh, the kind of the keys to uh, consistently maintaining and building. Uh, on your energy and your effort throughout the season. And I think we're all at this point, you know, it's it's the holidays. We're, you know, approximately halfway through a lot of our seasons or, or getting close to that point. Uh, not only is the, the setup of practice important, but what are things that you guys do in your practices to create energy, to create effort uh, consistently, and, and so that you're continually growing throughout the season? It's uh, a good question. You know, I, uh, I think... You know, uh, number one is it's we don't we don't let our practices be monotonous at all. You know, they're always different. Um, so there's not a routine. You know, yeah, we stretch every day before practice. Um, but we stretch with music on, um, and each player gets to pick. It's his day. You know, he stretches 15 minutes stretch every day. Each, you know, it's it's Johnny's day to day. He can pick whatever music he wants as long as it's you know um, appropriate. Mm-hmm. He can pick whatever music he wants. So if he wants to go with Frank Sinatra, he can do that. If he wants to go with country music, he can do that. So it kind of gives a different vibe to start off practice every day. You know, kids will kind of joke about it. Like, oh, man, you picked this. And, you know, why did you pick this? And this, you, you really wanted this. And it kind of just starts off practice a little different, mm-hmm. um, you know, every single day. And then it's it's just it's different, different drills and different stuff every day. I think, you know, like I said, not to go back to, to the previous thing, but, you know, you, you kind of get your – once you have your practices saved every day, you know, you have so many drills and things that you can do over, over the years that you can kind of, 
you know, switch stuff up um, and, and, and kind of make sure that your your guys are different. You know, back in the day, I feel like when I was coaching, it was, you know, try to be consistent, try to be consistent, try to keep things the same. Kids don't like change and, you know, stuff like that. And I think as we grow as a coach, you know, kids, kids love different. They love fast. They love, you know, I always say it's like a TikTok. Um, if you yeah. ever use the TikTok app, it's, you know, they want something that's fast and changes quickly and, um you know, the music changes and the colors change and there's a different topic right away. Um, and then the last thing is I know some coaches post their practices on the wall, um, you know, each day. I've never been a believer of that because I kind of think that, you know, oh, man, we got to do this drill later and they don't like that drill. So, um, you know, we all have those drills that sometimes kids don't like and, um, you know, they'll, they'll kind of not be happy and it'll kind of change their mood instantly because they know, you know, in 25 minutes we're doing a, a charge drill that they don't like. So. Um, you know, I don't, I don't post practices either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do you, how do you usually, you, you said your practices are never the same, which, which, you know, I, I love that. I love changing it up or having a lot of different variations of the, the same drills and things like that. Uh, what would a, a, a typical St. Francis practice look like? You know, how are you going to, uh, you know, you said you start out with stretching, you know, how do you guys kind of structure and, and put together a, a typical practice? And we'll just say, Hey, you know, let's, you know, I'm, you know, let's say you're practicing tomorrow, you know, how are you going to yep. have that put together? And, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, what are you emphasizing where and when typically during your practices? Yep. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start off every day with stretching. Like I said, we're playing music. Um, you know, usually I tell our coaches, we don't, we don't really stand, uh, when the kids are stretching, um, uh, we want to go have conversations with those guys. Cause that's for, especially our assistant coaches, that's a time for them. You know, I, I'm pretty much at school all day and I see our guys so I can kind of, you know, converse with them and see what's going on. Um, but for my assistants, they're walking in and out of the lines, talking to certain guys, you know, Hey man, how was school today? You know, what's going on? How'd you feel last practice? You know, just kind of making sure that the kids understand that we're, we're part of them. We're a family just like they are. Um, so that's, that's definitely something our assistants are doing. Um, I'm usually the one setting up practice, you know, setting up the next drill, getting it ready. So I can give them time to kind of make sure they're conversating with the kids, um, during stretching. That's kind of like our fun time to, to stretch and focus. And, you know, a lot of coaches, well, you gotta get your mind ready. You know, yeah, that's in game time we do. Um, but in practice, you know, we, we want to kind of keep it as, as fun as possible and as loose as we can, um, at least to start. Um, and then trying to teach those kids that there is a switch you got to be able to turn on. Um, and then it's usually something, it's, 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 it's usually something fundamental. Um, a lot of times it's like a passing into a, you know, like a three man weave sometimes into a, you know, a passing drill or something fundamental, maybe some jump stops and two foot, some two foot stuff. And, um, just something to kind of warm everybody up, kind of get the hands moving, get the body moving. Um, you know, something like that. Then it's always, a, and, then, and then everything from then on is a competition. Um, everything we do is a competition from then on. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll go like 10 minutes of two on two. We'll go one on one. We'll go three on three. We'll go some shells sometimes where, you know, we'll have team, you know, three teams and we're competing. Um, we'll do free throw contests throughout practice where, you know, it's, uh, I, I, you know, Hey, Johnny versus Chris, you know, Mike versus Joe, you know, let's go, you know, best out of five and loser has to run. And, um, you know, we'll do contests and, and, and every single thing we do, every single drill we do, um, even if we're doing walkthrough, um, I'll do a contest. And all right, guys, I said this earlier. Uh, who can explain what that is? You know, one kid raises his hand. All right, you you guys, you know, ten, five jumping jack. You know, something we can just kind of make it a contest for everybody because kids like competing um, and it keeps them on their toes. It keeps them listening. You know, no one wants to, to run or do some push-ups or do jumping jacks or anything like that. Um, and then we'll usually end, every, end practice with – um, you know, prayer, that's what we do at our school. And then we'll do like half court shot competition. We'll do something fun with the coaches are involved or we'll do a coaches versus players free throw contest. Um, you know, just trying to keep it light and kind of keep it fun after they've been competing their, their tails off for, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. Mm -hmm. I, I really like that about the, the pregame, uh, or the pre, the pre-practice discussions. Um, yep. we, we call it, and I read this somewhere, uh, we call it LaRusa's. Um, okay. or I, that's what I call it. And unless my kids are listening to this, they don't know it. So, uh, <laughs> but, but they, you know, there was a story I read about Tony LaRusa and he would, he would have a fungo bat that he would carry around with him during pregame. And it was just his excuse to go up and talk to about a third of his roster every day. So every three days he was having a, a non-baseball conversation 
with everybody on his team, everybody on his roster. I love it. And, and so that's something, and I literally have it on my practice plan. Hey, does anybody need a La Russa today? And so, that's great. You, you know, you try to go and, and, uh, you know, just, Hey, Mary, you know, how's everything going? How was, how was, you know, like today, you know, how was break? How, how was everything? You know, what'd you guys right. do? You know, so forth and so on. And just have that personal connection. So hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, you know, you, you, you referenced it, um, you referenced it a little bit with your, uh, assistant coaches when we were talking about, uh, some stuff earlier in the pod here, uh, what are some specific things that you have delegated to your assistant coaches to, uh, let's say it's practice or it's a game day type of situation. What are some, what are some things that you're having your assistant coaches do, uh, to, to help make your job and make the program better? Yeah. Um, I, th- I think, I think the first, the first thing, um, is, you know, kind of off the court stuff, you know, I'm, I'm big on telling our guys that they need to, you know, be part of, be part of practice and be part of the kids' lives. So, you know, like I said, have conversations with them, get, get to know them. Um, I kind of delegate two or three players to each assistant coach. Um, and that way they can constantly be checking in with them to make sure that they're, they're good and what's going on. And usually after games, that's a, that's an important thing to do is, you know, uh, day after check in with the kid. Hey man, how'd you think you played today? You know, what, what could you have done? You know, what'd you think of the game? You know, you ready for tomorrow? Stuff like that. Um, that's something I always, I always kind of do. Um, and then, and then the next one is, you know, I, I, I tell coaches that I hire, I, I give you a year and I kind of give you a year to sit back and, you know, learn and kind of see how I do it and how, you know, the coaches that have been with me, um, you know, do it. And then after the first year, I expect to throw you in the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm going to tell, give you some stuff to do offensively and defensively. And, you know, you're going to be involved with practice. Um, and then the, you know, the other thing is, you know, I, I sound simple, but I, I send my practice plan to my coaches pretty much every day. Um, you know, midday, they, they get a practice plan for me. Um, and their name is next to a drill. Um, and it's their responsibility to run that drill. So I kind of sit back and I don't want to say watch. I'm definitely involved. I'm, I'm more of their assistant during that time. Um, so it gives them a, a hand into everything we're doing. Um, so it's not just, just me doing drills and running drills and, um, you know, Hey, we're going to a, you know, defensive slide drill, you know, coach, coach Jason, you're on it. You know, he's on this one. So he, he knows what to do. We've already talked about what, what we want. Um, and obviously after you've been with, you know, the same coaches for years and years, it's, it's a really easy transition. Um, and I try to switch it up. You know, if I gave coach Jason a defensive drill today, I might give him an offensive drill the next day. Um, and just kind of, so everyone's involved in everything as, as, as best we can. Um, yeah, you know, when it comes to game planning and scouting and things like that, I have some coaches that are more defensive-minded or offensive-minded than others. Uh, but when it comes to practice, I want everybody to be involved with every drill. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's great. I, I always used to, uh, you know, turn over uh, guards and posts uh, yep. when, when I had a bigger staff. You know, you got you you, you know you take the guards, you take the post, and I just sit out for fifteen twenty minutes. I think it's good to to uh, have your players hear voices other than yours during practice as well. Hundred percent. You know. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, how you know? And you talked about this earlier as well. Uh, creating creating culture, and and you made the shift um, from a very successful program. And you knew you were getting into a situation where, you know, it was going to be a build. It was going to take a while to build this up at St. Francis. Uh, what were the things that that you thought were important to emphasize at the outset as you were trying to rebuild this? And just creating, what are some things that you guys do to create a great culture and a great family atmosphere, um, maybe outside of, of, of just the daily practice and the game day stuff? What are some things that you maybe do off the court that help bond the group together and bring them closer to create that, that family atmosphere that you have there at St. Francis? Yep. You know, we always talk about per- person first, you know, relationship second, and then output third. Um, and that's a big one that our coaches talk about. We talk about, I've always preached with our guys is, uh, you know, uh, yes, Johnny can get me, can, can get the team 25 points, but you know, Johnny's also a good kid and he likes music and, you know, he's got a girlfriend and his mom, you know, it's, you know, like ah, treat him like people first. Yeah. You know, the, the third part of that should be his, his scoring and what he can bring to the team. Um, you know, and I think that's, that, that's the number one way to create culture is, you know, um, is treat them, tr- treat them like people, you know, a quick, quick story. We had a, 
we had a kid uh, on our team that, that got COVID uh, about a week and a half ago. And uh, the mom, his mom called me about a couple of days ago and said, Coach, I, I, I've never seen anything like this. Every single one of your coaches has called him every single day to see how he was doing. And I didn't even tell my coaches to do, to do that check-in. That's just kind of where I think we've got culture-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff like that just goes a long way, and it, and it, and it, and it builds it. Um, the other part that I think is kind of looked down upon sometimes is, is you – is is the coaching staff and how they act um you know we're i try to tell my, my coaches like once you're my assistant you know we're like we're family and we may have disagreements and we may have issues but we can never let the kids see that we can never let the kids see that that, that we don't get along um because i think that's a huge part of you know it's, of, of kids is they do what they see um so we joke around a lot as coaches we you know, we have inside jokes and things that we, you know, have joking around with each other before practice and things like that. And we're always going to eat together and doing things as, as a coaching staff so we can become a family so the kids can see that and then they can replicate that with their team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think if coaches are constantly yelling at each other and arguing with each other, then you, how are you going to tell your kids, you know, hey, guys, you know, I need you guys to get along and be a family when, you know, they, they look at the bench and there's constant disagreements and constant frustration and, you know, coaches aren't getting along and, you know, I always talk about, you know, how can you tell your players to not get a technical foul and coach gets one every other game? You know, it's, it's coaches want to, you know, players want to mimic what they see. Um, and I think that's a, that's a huge part of, of kind of developing that culture. The third one for me is, and, and this might be selfish because I like to eat, but, uh, you know, I was a big, I was a big proponent in, in, you know, when I was growing up is we waited for everybody to get home before we ate dinner. Uh-huh. Um, and we, we, we had no cell phones back then, but we turned the TV off and, we put everything aside and we, we ate like a family um, and we talked and we got to know each other and we talked about our day and what's going on. So we eat all the time as a team, sometimes after practices, before every game, every single game we eat. Um, no phones, phones stay in the locker room. We go and we eat. Um, and it kind of builds, I, I think, builds culture with us and, and, and our team. And, you know, it gives us 40, 40, 45 minutes to kind of sit down and joke around and, you know, kind of get to know the guy sitting next to us. So. That's another big one for us. As as an Italian, I, I appreciate yep. the eating thing. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, you, you have the big pasta dinner with the with uh-huh. the family around, and and uh, uh, my my dad's uh, Irish, so that's but but my mom was pretty much one hundred percent Italian, and uh-huh. and, and so uh, yeah, you know the the scene where Clemenza's um, you know making the pasta for everybody when they're going to the mattresses and the Godfather. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, we can't relate to that directly on my mom's side of the family, but right. you, you know, you know, the big family, uh, the big, the big pasta table there. But, uh, I, I like that. I, you know, your, your sideline decorum, and, and I know that's something I have really worked on the last few years is to be better on the sideline. You know, how important is that from, from the opening tip to the final buzzer to, 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 as a coach, concentrate on your sideline decorum? Yep. You know, uh, you know, I don't want to brag, but I guess I will. Um, you know, I've never gotten a technical foul um, in my entire history of coaching basketball. Summer, fall, winter, doesn't matter. Um, I leave the rest alone. I don't say a word. You know, maybe I'll have one one issue with them in the middle of the game sometime, but it's, I'll, hey, you know, ref, come here for a second. You know, and I'm, and I'm talking to him like you like he should be talked to yeah. or she should be talked to. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's important for, for me for the simple fact of, you know, we have a punishment for our guys, I don't use the word punishment, but we have a something that happens when they get a technical foul. Um, Repre- how can I hold them to a standard when I'm not holding myself to a standard? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and how can I tell my guys, hey, don't worry about the refs. You know, let's just play. And then I'm sitting there yelling at the refs. Well, that doesn't really, that doesn't really make sense, you know, to me. And, you know, we, 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 you know, we go back to the process focused and worry about what's going on right now. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about the future, what they're going to call, what they did call in the past. And then I tell my guys, you know, the same thing. So, you know, part of it is, uh, you know, I, I got to make sure that they're doing, um, you know, they're, they're seeing what I'm doing and they're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you uh, you put down on your survey here, you want to talk a little bit about stats and statistics, uh, stuff that you guys look at. Um, I'm always I'm always interested 
with that. And I know sometimes as high school coaches, we're limited with some of the statistical analysis that we can have. But what are some of the things that that you look at, Todd, uh, as you're scanning a box score or you're looking at an opponent? And here's what I'm, you know, keying in on based on our team or our philosophy or whatever it may be. What what are some things that you guys do statistically to help put your team in the best situation that you possibly can to get a W? Yeah, like oh, this might sound bad again. I'm, 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 I'm not a big stat. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a, I like looking at them. I like getting an idea of where we're at. Um, you know, I, I'm a plus minus guy in terms of, terms of that. And the other stats, I'm just a hustle stat guy. That's it. Like I want to know. You know, we chart. We, we, we have a hustle chart. You know, we chart how many times you dove on the floor, how many times you pick somebody up, how many times you high five somebody. Um, you know, how many times you sprinted past other players on our team during a game. Um, you know, how many times you tip the ball from behind, how many times, you know, like offensive rebounds. There's just that those are the things to me that I I, I, I chart because, you know, I, I'm confident in myself and my coaching staff that we can X and O and do some right things and do that. But, you know, at the end, it's it's up to them how hard they want to play um, and how hard and how hard they play and, and, and the type of basketball they play. And if it's fun and it's it's diving on the floor and taking charges and, you know, no, no one likes, you know, I don't say no one likes to do that, but it's, it's rare kids like and enjoy doing that. So if we can get them to do things that they don't enjoy and they start to enjoy it. You know, we, I think we've done, we've done our job in, 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 in many ways. So um, we stat that we have a chart in our, in our gym that hangs on the wall. Um, that is every kid's name on our program. And it's every single time they dove on the floor or took a charge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that, that, that sits on our gym and hangs on our gym every single day so they gotta they gotta walk by it every day when they leave and every day when they come when, when they come to practice um and that's you know that's really the only stats i want to i want them to see in terms of other teams you know i'm looking at you know where where they're you know who who can shoot and who can't and what their percentages are um you know i'm kind of looking at how they're running their offense who's running their offense and you know for us we're a big junk defense team and you know we're, we're primarily man but we'll we'll junk you up and we'll play boxes and ones and we'll, uh, you know, take a guy out of the game and, you know, we'll find ways to just make you kind of coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, a team runs flex offense and they, you know, I'm just not going to let you run that. You know, we're just going to find a way to not let you run it and run something you, different. You know, I always yeah. say a, a coach is comfortable when they're, they're working on their, their base offense every single day and they're running in the game, you know, um, you go to any, any high school practice and you sit there for a week, they're definitely, there's some type of offense that they're working on day in and day out. Um, even if it's a couple plays they're they have a primary three or four plays or a primary offense. And why let them run and do exactly what they practice every single day. Let's make them do something different mm-hmm. um, and make kids be different. So um, that's kind of, kind of where we're at in terms of stat wise. Yeah. Yeah. Belichick calls it, make them play left-handed. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. So, um, go, going back to that, uh, getting them to do things that they don't want to do uh, with those with those diving on the floors, winning the fifty fifties, taking the charges, all that other stuff. Um, other than other than charting it, uh, what are some ways that you guys have gotten your kids to buy into that? Is it uh, emphasizing it on film during film study? Is it you know when it happens in practice, pointing it out when or when it should happen? Uh, different things like that. You know, how do you guys convey that message of just getting your kids to really take pride in the dirty work? You know, because yeah. I, I think sometimes with the AAU type of culture, everybody's worried about their points and their assists and. You know just as well as I do, it's a lot of times the dirty work kids are the the real difference makers, and those are harder to find rather than the shooters and the drivers and the passers at at, at certain points. You know, for sure, for sure. You know, one of them is obviously the charting that we do. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the second one is is during film. You know, we're we're like we're going crazy during film as a coaching staff. Um, you know, hey man, look at this play. You know, that's what I'm talking about. We're getting up, we're high fiving them, and we're you know you know rubbing his head and let's go, you know, that's what we need more of and emphasizing that, that, that that's what we want. Um, and then when it happens in a game, you know, like we always talk about as a coaching staff, you'll, you'll see, you'll see a guy hit a three and we are 99.9% of the time have no talk about nice shot, good shot, good form. We're all about the guy who threw him the ball. Um, and just making sure that that's the culture that we, that we bring to the table and our kids understand that is we don't care about, you know, if you miss an open shot and it's a good shot for us, we don't, we don't really, that doesn't matter to us. You know, mm-hmm. We're not going to, 
you're not a pro, you know, you're going to miss an open shot. You know, as long as it's a good shot and, you know, we got what we wanted, great. Let's emphasize the guy who threw that pass. I mean, we're, we're emphasizing good passes on misses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guys are running back on defense. We're, oh, nice pass, John. Nice pass, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, missed, we just missed the shot, you know, and I think just having them understand that there's more than just the scoring aspects, um, rewarding the hustle plays, rewarding the extra passes, rewarding, you know, and, and giving positive reinforcement and positive feedback to those things that are, that are non-scoring um, related plays. I think I think it's part part of it. And I think the third one, and it's the biggest one. I think is the, the kids got to want to do it for for you as a as a coach and as a staff. You know, I've seen plenty of times where kids just don't really like the coach. They don't really respect them. They don't really, you know, they're. Well, I'm not going to dive on the floor for this guy. Um, I'm not going to dive on the floor for her. She's she's not the best. He's not the best, and they don't do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the kids have got to believe in you as a coach and want to do it. Um, and I think that's a, that, that's a big that's a big proponent of it. Um, and then the last one, I don't say it was the last one, but the, the last one I'll say is, is the bench is, is by far the best teacher. Um, it's better than a coach. It's better than a parent. It's the best teacher. Every kid wants to play. Um, and if kids, you know, loose ball and he or she doesn't want to dive on the floor, you know, hey, come, come sit down. Yeah. If you don't want to dive, you can come sit, you know. And let me tell you, after three or four of those, they'll never, they'll never miss a dive again. Uh-huh. Um you know, so I think that's also the you know part of it too is just be consistent using that bench as a, as a tool to teach. Yeah, I I, I love all that. You know, uh, you were talking about emphasizing that type. One of the things that that uh, I really do, uh, I try to do is is when we take a good shot and they miss it the right way, and we we always emphasize, you know, hey, if we're gonna miss, miss long, back rim it, you know, right. and, and so you know, and so. When a when a kid misses a shot, you know, hey, hey, great miss, great miss. Don't worry right. about it. That's a great right. miss. You're going to knock that down. Uh, right. You know, whether it's practice or a game like that, or practice or a game, you know, that's one of the things that I know I'm saying to my kids because, you know, uh, shooting in basketball is like hitting in baseball. It's sometimes it's more mental than it is physical, and so yeah. we 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 just keep emphasizing as long as you're taking good shots, and and you're you're going to miss them. Uh, I was right. jo- I was joke with my kids. You know, yeah, you know, I missed a shot once. It was during the Reagan administration. It was right, a crazy right, time. Right, you know? right. I did the same thing. <laughs> and, yep. And, so last uh, 1994 was the last layup I missed. I think I remember <laughs> it. Yeah. Bill yeah. Clinton was president. You know, yeah, it was it was exactly. uh, the, the Republican takeover of Congress. It was a crazy time. You know, exactly. But, I did the same thing. Uh, I, I think when you when you purposefully take the pressure off of those. Um, situations as best as you can i think it yeah. helps the kids bounce back from it quicker don't you think todd for sure 100 percent. you know we don't even talk about I, I try to stay away from this long this short this i don't even want them thinking about missing you know i i, I tell our coaches the word miss should not even be in our vocabulary at all you know we don't even want to talk about it we want to just focus on makes and we want to focus on trying to make it and however we can make it and let's not get the kids thinking at all because like you said any any sometimes more thoughts are are, 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 are bad. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing and it's a slippery slope for a lot of kids. Um, that's just to try to, just to try to get their heads clear of, of, of thinking about shooting. So yeah, good point. Um, player development, what's kind of your player development plan for your kids at St. Francis there? What are you doing with your kids, especially in the off season? And, and eventually here in a couple of months, we're all going to start be, we're, we're, we're all going to start thinking about the off season because season's going to be over, you know? So, uh, you know, what are some things that you've done that you feel like have been successful for your program and your teaching philosophy, uh, to help your kids improve during the off season? Uh, yeah, good question. I, I, I think, you know, uh, for us, it's it's doing things different. Um, that's kind of the theme for us every, everywhere and everything we do. Um, you know, unless you're a seven footer, that's sit back to the basket. You know, we're gonna we're gonna if you're a, you're a big and you're a center, we're gonna work on some shooting. You know, we're gonna work on some ball handling. We're gonna work on doing things that you don't normally do and getting you to expand your game as best you can. As you know, as a coach, you know, there's no more. Everyone's got to do everything nowadays. Everyone's got to be able to handle the ball. Everyone's got to be able to shoot it. Everyone's got to be able to drive. Everyone's got to be able to rebound. You know, it's not back in the day where you you know you stick your five and your four down low, and they're your rebounders, and you're, you know your one and your one brings it up, and your two's your shooter, and you know you gotta you gotta be adaptable and interchangeable. I think baseball's kind of done the same thing with you know you got guys that play short and, and they move to center field and they move to first base, and you know yep. it helps the team be able to do a lot of different things. And I think when you're limited as a coach with with your players in terms of like man, this guy can only post, and he can dribble, and 
you know, she can't shoot and, you know, I, I, it, you're, you're, it, it limits what you can do uh, from so many aspects offensively and defensively um, that I think if you can work on kind of creating ways to improve their, their weaknesses and get them out of what they normally do, you can kind of create a better player. Um, you know, we had a kid last year that just could not guard the ball. And every time he came in, we had to go zone. We had, couldn't, couldn't play a man with him in the game. Um, we had to go zone. And the entire offseason, he just worked on getting faster and learning how to slide correctly and getting his butt down and having a little tenacity on defense. And now he's one of our better defenders. And, you know, I don't want to take all the credit. My assistants did a phenomenal job of just kind of working with him all the time on his weaknesses and just getting him to get out of his comfort zone where – I think a lot of times coaches might say, well, he can't slide his feet. You know, let's just you know work on what he's good at. He's good at posting up, so we'll just work on his inside game. You know, no, like he, the kid wants to play in college. He's got to be able to guard the ball. So mm-hmm. let, 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 let's get him guarding the ball. And, you know, I don't need him shooting a bunch of threes. Let's, you know, he's, he's a big, big, heavy kid, but let's let's get him shooting mid-range jumpers and, a, and an elbow jumper and, you know, stuff like that. So I think that's – that's part of it, um, you know, in terms of the player development. And, you know, we, we, there's five tools we look for and we try to tell our kids. And, you know, those five tools we, we, we emphasize with our guys that this is what college is going to look for. And let's try to get better at those things. So what, what are those? If you don't mind sharing, Coach, what are those five? Yeah, things? of course. Um, so the, the first one is, is like kind of what I talked about. is like adaptability um, is being able to adapt. You know, you know, what do you – what do you do when you catch the ball on the wing? Can you, can you drive? Can you, can you post? Can you shoot? Can you defend? Um, and then, you know, going along with that even more is, you know, like, what do you do when things don't go right? You know, how, how, how do you act when things don't go right? How do you act when things break down? How do you act when a team goes on a 10-0 run? How do you act when you picked up two fouls, you know, in the first quarter? You know, what's your, how, you know, and just being adaptable um, for us is a big one. You know, the second one is being intelligent, you know, understanding the game of basketball. We try to teach our guys all the time you know hey we're running this play here's why we're running it here's the here's the purpose of it here's what we think we can get here's our five options here's you know option three is going to be because the the you know the big man slid down and you know whatever the case may be and having them completely understand a, a, a play or what we're doing and why we're doing that so when they get to college they can they can understand why their coach is doing things and and take themselves to the next level um the third one is leadership you know for us is, is big on leadership um you know, do you elevate people around you? Do you make kids better? Do you make your teammates better? Uh-huh. Do you make people want to play with you? Um, toughness is the fourth one. Um, how tough are you? You know, knowing the difference between pain and injury and, you know, um, being mentally tough, being physically tough. You know, we're on the road. We're on our rival's gym. It's sold out. You know, your girlfriend's in the stands. There's three college coaches watching you. And, you know, are you mentally tough to get through all of that? Um, and, 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 and fight and be a leader and, and get our team to where they need to be when, you know, there's a lot going on or you may have an off day or, um, you know, coaches aren't in the locker room and, you know, what are the things you're doing as a, uh, as a, as a leader in, in, in terms of your toughness? Um, and then the last one is, are you an elite competitor? Um, I always say coaches want to recruit winners. College coaches want winners. Um, you know, it's hard. I always, I always say if you're, you're zero and fifteen, and you're leading score in the league. I bet you're not going to get recruited. Yep. Um, yep. You know, coaches want guys that are in state championships, and you know, in overtime, you know, if I'm a if I'm a college coach, and you know, I'm recruiting a kid on your team, and it's overtime, and the play's not run for him, I'm sitting back going, wait a second, why, why, why did the coach not just run that for him? He's your best player. You know, is there something else that's going on? Is he not a clutch player? Does he? You know, does he not seize the moment? You know, so being an elite competitor, um, I think, is, is something that's an intangible task that we try to get our guys to understand. You know, be, want that moment. You know, if you miss a shot, you miss the shot, but want that moment and be be the be the player that we know you can be. Awesome, coach. That's a that's a great place to leave it. I love it. I, I love the. Especially the elite competitor and coaching one yeah. coaches that want winners. You know, when when I coach college ball, uh, we, we would take a kid with lesser stats from a winning program. Uh, yep. A lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times, over a kid with you know points and and that type of stuff. But their their team, and sometimes they can't help that their team is five and fifteen. Right. You know, you know, right. and, and, sure. and you know, you you have to interpret and you got to work your way through it. Uh, but but there is a bunch of truth to that about just kids that know how to win and, right. and making clutch plays. And and I think that's that's a great thing that kids need to understand. And coaches and we as coaches need to teach to our kids so that they understand. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So uh 
this has been great, Coach. Uh, social media, uh, your, your your Twitter handle, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, would you Would you like to share that? Sure, it's at SFHS Hoops, H-O-O-P-S. Um, contact me there. Send me a direct message. Um, or if you want to send me an email, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, my email is Coach Wolfson, Coach, and then my last name, Wolfson, at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And coaches, you, you know, if you're not convinced after this hour of listening to Coach to, to follow him on Twitter, I'm telling you right now, do it because – uh, you, you put out some great stuff, Todd, and and I've retweeted I it a few that. times, and and uh, it, it you know again that's what kind of drew me to you, and, and I'm glad we were finally able to to connect here and and, and put this together. Uh, I've uh, you know I've got a bunch of notes that I've written down in our conversation. I'm sure our coaches that are listening are going to uh, to have a lot of stuff as well. So I, I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you, and like I said, you know, start. I appreciate what you're doing to expand the game and expand coaches and. You know, I just hope coaches, you know, whether it's, you know, you, you don't want to take my advice, fine, take take somebody's, you know, there's always ways to grow and there's always ways to get better as a coach. And I think, you know, having things like this and using those tools, um, or actually, I guess not using those tools is, is a detriment to, to, to coaches. So, Perfect, perfect. Well, hey, if you can hold the line a second here, Todd, I got to read through a couple of things as, as we wrap it up. But uh, uh, again, thanks for your time. I hope you enjoyed your time on here. I did. I love it. Appreciate it. Perfect. Perfect. Todd Wolfson, head boys basketball coach at St. Francis High School in Pasadena, California. Has it gotten any colder there since we started talking? It's about 62, so oh, we're, 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 it's cold for us. Reverse those two numbers, <laughs> and that's what it's like here in Omaha, and we're going to dip about 30 degrees in the next 24 hours. So, oh, man, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. So, uh, but again, thanks for Coach Wilson for coming on the podcast here today. Again, we want to thank our founding sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. Uh, daily coaching tidbits on there. Download and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Again, a privilege and a pleasure to have Todd Wilson, the head boys basketball coach at St. Francis High School in Pasadena, California, on today. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.